Welcome to the Dark Academicals, the podcast where we delve into the mythos of dark academia one book at a time. I'm Sophie Waters. And I'm Sarah Purnell. In this episode, we're going to be looking at The Whispering Dark by Kelly Andrew. Delaney Lane Myers-Petrov is fed up of being treated like glass just because she's deaf. Even though her parents wanted to stay close and go to college remotely from her childhood bedroom, she wants more, and so undertakes testing for a scholarship that places each recipient in the university that suits them the best. Lane ends up placed at the prestigious Godbowl University on a controversial course that dabbles in the occult and students to walk between worlds. She has a rocky start to the year when she gets tangled with a mysterious upperclassman, Colton Price, who died when he was nine and was dragged back to life by a little girl. The two are thrown together when a student turns up dead and the secrets around Godbowl begin to pile up and Lane will end up fighting for her life and against the dark consequences of ripping holes in the universe. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh. <laughs> what a book to kick off season four. Yeah. Season four. Four. <laughs> I mean, pat on the back to us, quite frankly. <laughs> but before we get any further, our usual admin section of the episode with a few content warnings for death, grief, injury, gore, fire, and fire injury in the novel. And the standard spoiler warning there are some twists in this book. And we're absolutely going to be discussing them all. So please go back and read the book first and we'll see you in a bit. Or proceed with caution, basically, (laughs) because we're going to talk about it all. (laughs) And if you want some extra behind the scenes, the Dark Academicals goodness, please sign up to our mailer at thedarkacademicalsbookclub.substack.com where you will be able to win a copy of the book if you are based in the UK. So, let's get started. Mm. So why did we choose The Whispering Dark? I think the first thing that got us was the comparisons to 9000 The Raven Boys, wasn't it? Yeah. Because we have read both of those for the podcast. (laughs) And they're very different books, although they have the same kind of focus on the occult and magic and ley lines and all of that. They are very different, aren't they? They are very different, but they're very similar in tone, I think. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't not read it when <laughs> based on those two books, really. It's also really interesting to have a... A deaf main character. Yeah. Um, I don't think that that has featured in Dark Academia or any kind of disability, really, as a main character. No, I don't recall ever that coming up so far. No. To be fair, I don't actually know if I've read a book with a deaf main character. Just period. I can't think of any. Which is kind of shocking, actually. Hmm. So and it was it was interesting to for that to be woven into the story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were sold basically. <laughs> <laughs> Just from the summary and spoiler, I bloody loved it. Me too. <laughs> it might be my favorite favorite book of the year so far. I realize, I mean, when we're recording this, it's only 2 weeks into January and I've only read four books, but <laughs> it's still my favorite of the year so far. <laughs> I mean, it's the it's the most enjoyment I've got out of reading a book in a little while. Yeah. So it was, that was good. It felt like the YA of old. <laughs> <laughs> By old, I mean, you know. It did. 2010s. <laughs> yeah, but it was also, it it didn't come with all of it, the issues that come with YA of old. <laughs> That's such a good point. It still had some, but it didn't come with all of the... Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a great start to our reading for the Dark Academicals for season four. And hopefully that's gonna make for a good episode, you know. Hopefully. It's also got a great cover. It has a fantastic cover. Yeah. I didn't notice the little faces. Yeah. At first and at the moment I discovered that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming they're asphodels on the front cover. I would think so. I don't yeah. really know what they look like. I know that they're purple. 
I mean, that works. (laughs) (laughs) Even if they're not, they are now. Yeah. (laughs) Reader's interpretation. (laughs) That's how it works, right? (laughs) So if you're new to the podcast, firstly, welcome. And also how how we do this is we have kind of a set tenets of Dark Academia. The elements of a plot, of a novel, of characterization that we think makes a novel dark academia and in these episodes we kind of use those tenets to discuss a novel and see if for us it is a dark academia title if you want more information on that we do have an introductory episode um in our history of the podcast where you can go back and get all of the information on how we came up with those and where we got them from and a bit more information on how we kind of work through (laughs) these books really so for a dark academia read we always look for a higher education setting often on campus and usually elite or exclusive in some way definitely ticks that box (laughs) (laughs) i think what was really interesting about godball was that you knew that something was up Mm -hmm. you knew that something really something was up and it it's it's similar to other uh, institutions in other books we've read. So it, it felt like a little bit like the, can't think what the university is called in Vicious. I can't remember what it's called either, but yeah. In the way you. that they're kind of exploring mm-hmm. different sort of supernaturally type paranormal yeah. uh, studies. Um, and also of uh, Catherine House in that exclusive... Yeah almost the secretive yeah. kind of like reclusive almost yeah um, and i suppose madam in that way too mm, yeah in this very like it's it's not just that it's exclusive like obviously in the granddaddy of all dark academia the secret history like the school is exclusive but like it's not mm. creepy it's not it's not really harboring any other secrets other than what the students bring whereas yeah. in other titles that we've read the locate like the the setting of the school itself already has its own secrets yeah definitely i think as well like being located in boston uh, with the legacy of you know ivy universities in that city in that area of the country it it draws on those histories of dark academia you know yeah in that in that setting but I think what's different about Godball is normally we look for old gothic architecture and while that is at Godball because you know it is a Bostonian ivy covered university but the section of the school the arm of the school that Lane is a part of the part that studies the occult is a modern glass building set aside on the campus yeah which i thought was really interesting actually yeah it's it it's almost um it's almost sci-fi in that like in that sense um i mean not that this book is sci-fi at all but like it's got that uh kind of clinical i suppose it it kind of makes it feel more and i'm going to use quotation marks like official that they're studying Mm. like the occult rather than it being in like a crumbling old gothic (laughs) building or like in the back of a old church or something like this is this is a a serious study because we're in a brand new modern shiny building yeah it's like we've got funding behind this guys (laughs) this is legit this is real (laughs) joe i kind of pictured like a more squat version of the gherkin Okay, in my head it's almost like a like a smaller, well, not necessarily smaller, but like a weird version of the Eden Project. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Without the plants, obviously. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I think what is quite funny as well is how every other setting in the novel, particularly like Colton's house... The little church. The library. 
the library, the woods, everything else draws on those classic gothic tropes. Yeah. It is the only element of the novel that has that clinical modernity to it. Yeah. And they're not actually there very often, are they? <laughs> but yeah, interesting kind of comparison between those two. Yeah, locations. and I think I think a good amount of the action takes part on campus as well. Yes, we're not just there briefly. Here it is. Now let's go to Colton's house. Like there, there is. I mean, there's a lot in Colton's house, but there like, is. There is, I think, enough that grounds it on campus. Yeah. But there, there is a lot in Colton's house that delivers that haunting kind of old money atmosphere, isn't yeah. it? That that you we would normally receive from those crumbling bits of the university. Yeah, that's true. So it's it's all there. It's just slightly twisted around, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the wrong words. But I can't think of how else to say it. <laughs> But what we do have is, well, I was going to say we do have a preoccupation with classical studies, but that's if we're counting the occult as a classical study. I mean, is there anything more classic than the occult? <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> they study Latin. They're not preoccupied they with it. And I think Lane would very much rather not have to study Latin. Mm. But and it, it does permeate the novel, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's It's a big part of kind of answers being kept from lane yeah and kind of wrapped in result results no that's not, that's not a word <laughs> <laughs> things wrapped in riddles and kind of dangled above her isn't it yeah and i think as well it kind of adds to that it's a bit like in the secret history because we're not always told the um like the the translation Mm-hmm. and how it kind of alienates the reader a little bit along with Lane. Yeah, I, I always struggle with, do I look it up or do I just leave it and I'll find out when I'm supposed to find out? Yeah, I usually just let it roll. Sometimes I have to Google it because <laughs> it winds me up. Or, or like one word of it will sound really familiar and I just have to know. <laughs> One thing that is definitely very much a part of the Whispering Dark is murder. Yeah, there is murder left, right and centre. There is a whole lot of murder. Yeah. On page, off page, <laughs> historical. It's all there. It's all there. Um, even like bilaterally universal. I don't know how to... In the universe, in, in a different universe it's happening. Yeah. Like it's... Yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> You can't escape it. You can't escape the murder. <laughs> I think this is one of the strongest ties to what we classically see as dark academia, actually, is the the murders and the deaths and the tangling with a secret society here. Because as part of Godbowl University, there is kind of a sect is a very strong word for it but I can't think of a few boys who are part of the occult studies who have kind of separated from everyone else under the tutelage of the apostle delightfully creepy terminology for him um and they are searching for immortality yeah through ripping through parallel worlds i guess and literally walking through purgatory and accepting a demon into your body essentially as a test to see if you deserve to be immortal like <laughs> it's all very strange and very the secret history i'm gonna say it yeah because quite frankly i could see henry doing that <laughs> Just out of pure curiosity. <laughs> I mean, who knows if his bacchanal had worked out the way that he was hoping, that might have right? been the next stage. <laughs> you just never know. Yeah, I mean, how many mur- How I don't even know if we can count the murders, but there's... Uh, um, Mika. 
which is a direct on-page murder by the love interest in the open. Yeah. <laughs> which was a bit of a shock. There's, There's... the chat. Oh, no, but he's techni- technically... The one, the guy, he technically died but didn't die in the... um. What, Nate? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, how do we class the murders that were... Te- they're not necessarily murders. It's murder by proxy, isn't it? Yeah, like, that's true. They've been sentenced to death by the Apostle. Yes. And by membership of this secret society. Yes. I mean, Colton was not murdered, but he did die. Yeah. <laughs> His brother did. Lane technically died for a bit. Yeah. Although I don't remember ever that ever being explained, what happened. We know she was in hospital, she had an accident, that's how she lost her hearing. But I don't think we ever know what happened. No. Which is inter- interesting. That would usually be like a big reveal moment, wouldn't it? Hmm. I think there are a lot of questions not necessarily unanswered but like you could probably read through it again to try and pick out yeah some of the bits because i think for me anyway i was just so caught up with i'm getting to the end i want to know the big like i think i was probably missing some of the smaller details that kind Mm -hmm. of tie bits together because i get impatient towards the end of a book like i want to see how this ends (laughs) (laughs) but i also don't feel shortchanged oh no not at all but back to death. Sorry, murder and death, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were also three other boys, weren't there? Because there were five of them. Mm. So everyone's died apart from Colton. Yeah. Although is he alive technically? Mm, debatable. I think also what's interesting is that Lane doesn't really want to be part of their club. Do you know what I mean? Like usually, mm. I mean, I suppose this, this kind of ties into the, the protagonist's perspective portrayed as an outsider and usually yeah. they're trying to get in from being an outsider but they she are. seems to be quite happy in lane's quite happy in her lane but <laughs> yeah colton's link to her means that she gets dragged into it whether she wants to or not it's that kind of idea of fate isn't it yeah they have been entwined since she pulled her she pulled him out of hell or you know yeah I loved that line. Completely and utterly suckered by it. Like, I it's a good job that I've never experienced a supernatural, paranormal, fantasy YA novel because I'd probably end up dead because <laughs> I am a mug. <laughs> to be quite honest, <laughs> but that's an entirely different conversation for another day. <laughs> I mean, Colton had some great lines. He really did, oh. didn't he? Maybe we'll talk Big about fan. Colton a little bit later, but yeah, whew. I think he deserves. I think he deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> I got so distracted by Colton, I can't even remember what we were talking about. We were talking about murder, and I think we established that there was a lot of murder there on was page, definitely. off page, alluded Everywhere. to, attempted. Yeah. Um. So perhaps we'll move on to a dark, moody, and/or haunting vibe. Check, check, and check. <laughs> I loved the whole atmosphere of this book. Like I, yeah, I just had that feeling. Like because I kind of read a snippet of this quite a little while ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, I think this is a bit of me. This is. And then when we <laughs> kind of like, um, you know, penciled it in for season four, I kind of thought, oh, I'm going to wait. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to wait before I read this because I wanted to experience it for the first time for the yeah. podcast. So. I'm going to say it for the first time in a long time. It's got the vibe. It has the vibe. It's got the dark academia (gasps) vibe. (laughs) And it was so nice. Yeah. (laughs) I was beginning to think we'd made it up. (laughs) (laughs) But it's there. It's there in spades. It's genuinely quite creepy at points. Yeah. It borders on horror. A lot, actually, and it takes a lot to spook me because I mm. I like dark and creepy, and but I was spooked. Yeah, same. There are some really unsettling scenes in this novel. Yeah, that the horror goes quite far for a YA. 
I think it's definitely upper YA because she's 18. Yeah. But it is still marketed as YA, isn't it? I think so. I think I'm going to have to double check that, but yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. I think it easily could. It has a crossover appeal like, oh, Ninth, definitely. like Ninth House does. It has crossover appeal. Yeah, I think it's a le- it's less intense than Ninth House. Mm. Although, that is the novel that I most connected it with while I was reading. Yeah. There are so many elements of Ninth House that speak to The Whispering Dark, I think. I agree. No. Yeah, definitely like Ninth House and like I said, Vicious by V. E. Schwab. But in it, it's almost like how I wished Vicious could have been. But obviously, yeah, you know, it's very different. It but... doesn't doesn't have the same like villainous outcomes. But it could have. It could. Yeah. They could have easily gone that way. But um, and there was another one. What did I mention? There was also oh, the Unbecoming of Mara Dyer. Yes, I think that was more for the for the moody kind of atmosphere rather than the content but and that classic throwback to YA of I was about to say of our era <laughs> as if we are extremely old and we're only mildly old I'm so mildly old <laughs> the YA of the 20 the, the late 2000s and early 2010s yeah the the height of YA yeah basically but also didn't you mention the Black Decker Brotherhood Oh, I did. I mentioned the Black Dagger Brotherhood by uh, J.R. Ward. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yep. Um, only because there's all, almost always a section in one of those books where, or like various sections along the way, where you get a character like the Apostle in The Whispering yeah. Dark. It will be like an acolyte of whoever. And they're working against like the good guys. But So you kind of get <laughs> to see the bad guy working against the good guy throughout and then towards the end you get the big reveal and the big showdown and that's what it reminded me of it's that classic fantasy horror supernatural setup isn't it yeah it follows in those traditions and i think it does it with enough creativity and really strong writing to get away with it this is a debut (sighs) really impressed honestly as a i mean not as an aside, but as a sort of a sidestep. I didn't... I I mean, I thought that the Apostle might be... Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Whitehall. Was it Whitehall? But also, yeah. it kind of... I thought that was too obvious as yeah. well. I was just saying, I, I did an actual gasp <laughs> <laughs> when that was revealed. I was so delighted in a, in a good way. Yeah. It was such a good, like, betrayal of trust, isn't it? Yeah. And it fits the Dark Academia unravelling of those charismatic, unreliable and immensely selfish tutors that are pushing these students into situations that are deadly for their own curiosity and their own interest. Yeah. So, yeah. Gross Whitehall. Ick, yeah. ick, ick. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's murdering by proxy and then there's outright dragging one of your students out to a an abandoned church with the intention of murdering them. Yeah. It's a whole nother level of bad teacher, isn't it? But it's that hubris again, because like he could have just offed her and been done. Mm. Like, but he wanted what was inside of her and... We still don't just, really know what was inside of her. It's just a nameless evil. It's yeah. a bit like in Buffy, isn't it? It's like the first evil. Like You yeah. don't know what it is, but it's bad. Mm, it's not good. You don't want it anywhere near you. <laughs> they referred to it as the beast sometimes, yeah. didn't they? Because it is like the embodiment of evil, isn't it? Yeah. But I thought it was interesting how that was turned around a little bit because we got a little bit of perspective from the beast yeah when he was like oh i in order to do what i need to do i need to kill lane but he was sorry about it and he was like i'm gonna do it in the most gentle way i can because i will be slightly sad to see this girl go because she's been a great host thanks (laughs) you know and also this demon beast whatever it was wasn't necessarily doing a bad thing 
the one that was exist. inside lane was well, and also was going to shut wanted to shut the bridge between the re- between yeah. the the where, whatever it is between the parallel- worlds yeah closing the gate to purgatory basically yeah that was said in such a sure way and you can tell i've watched four episodes of supernatural today <laughs> <laughs> um, side note <laughs> um yeah i mean he didn't make her do anything bad like really tormented colton quite a lot yeah a lot but but what lines it- weren't really crossed like lane wasn't hurt well lines were crossed a little bit <laughs> but lane i think holding hurt. a knife to his neck was probably a, yeah that uh, probably was a yeah but yeah it was it was still just taunting rather than mm. like a threat that was actually going to be followed through and like it could have destroyed lane's life because this beast can take over her body take over her mind and lane loses those chunks of time that is such a trippy bit of the book, isn't it? When she's mm. losing chunks of time. It's generally quite scary. Yeah. When she turns up in her bathroom at home, I was like, what? Yeah. I literally skipped back. To, skipped back. I was like, is there a missing piece from this? Like, Because I read the NetGalley copy. I was like, is there, is there something missing? Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously quickly realised that wasn't the case. But so clever. So Very clever. clever. Very clever to pull that off and not confuse yeah. or lose your reader as well, because that could easily get tedious. Yeah, definitely. It wasn't overdone. No. Yeah. Because I mean, it, it was it was about four hundred pages, wasn't it? So it was yeah. a decent length, but I could have carried on reading that. To be honest. yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm going book two, book two. Hello, book two. I've I've looked it up and it book looks two? like it is a standalone. Book two, please. Book two. Please, 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 please. But at the same time, I love, I love a fantasy standalone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like a duology, though. I do like, I'm here for a duology. Yeah, I do like duology. I just hate waiting. Because <laughs> I'm impatient. But I feel like with The Whispering Dark, you could either leave it, leave it alone or there could just be a surprise sequel. Do you know what I mean? Like, it mm. could be left alone or you could... Because Colton... Colton's story is not finished. No. And also her room... Well, one of them wasn't her roommate. She just invaded their room a lot. But Mackenzie and um, Adja? Yeah. Um, th- There's a lot there with them. Yeah. I would love to see it as a trilogy with, like, a companion trilogy. So we get a book about Mackenzie and one about Adja. Okay. Because Mackenzie can see the future and knows when people die or get hurt or whatever and Adja was haunted by a dead boy you know like I want that (laughs) please and thank you Kelly Andrew can you just get on that please (laughs) yeah Yeah. also more Colton more Colton please (laughs) because we are those people and we mustn't apologise for it (laughs) (laughs) oh okay where are we um hero worship of a particular figure or author um i don't not in the traditional sense no of dark academia i mean there's like on the level of an 18 year old girl falling in love (laughs) and the hero worship of that love interest um no but she's not an i mean I was going to say she's not a simp, but she is a simp for Colton. But for him, not in a. It's not in a way that completely overtakes her life. Like he no. is an absolute simp for her. Yeah, which I love. <laughs> Great, but also like he murders someone in front of her, and she does the reasonable thing and removes herself from the situation. Yeah, she gets. She gone. leaves. She goes home. She takes her friends with her. She's like, no. Because you did a murder. And I'm not okay about this. No. But, he, but he did. She turn, is eventually. But he did, he did turn up with a pretty dress and say, come out with did. me, kid. <laughs> but she didn't wear it. She didn't wear the dress. Love it. Yes. That is one thing I said. I think Lane's personali- personality, that's a new one, <laughs> personality took a while to come out. Yes. For a lot, for like the first, I don't know, the first third or so, she was constantly compared to being like glass which was a little annoying 
I get what Kelly Andrew was doing and that that point was made. But that did get a little bit repetitive yeah. for me. I think but, also, though, it didn't always necessarily communicate that way. Like, because she was... she. The, she kept making comparisons to her being made of glass, but like she, she wasn't fragile. She wasn't fragile. No, she had a tougher time like yeah. when she first started at Godbowl, but it wasn't. I wouldn't say that she was ever a pushover. I wonder if it's just like that's kind of the what people expect of her. Maybe that's true because her parents wanted didn't want her to go yeah. away to university and. Yeah. I guess it's her fighting against that perception and that expectation of her. Yeah. I guess. But yeah, so no no real hero worship here. No. With old money, which will collide with new money or no money. Um, Not really. It's very obvious that most of the people are very affluent, very privileged... But so is Lane. Yeah. Maybe not to the same extent. She doesn't have a massive townhouse in Boston. But, you know, she's perfectly comfortable. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't really think that that came up, did it? I don't think so. No. Nah. Nah. Well, weather as a literary... Little... <laughs> The weather, the weather as a literary device. There was weather. There was there was some weather. It definitely added to the ambience. Like it was, it added to the mood. There was always like yeah, because I think most of this takes part, doesn't it, in like September, October, November. Mm. Yeah. So you get the weather with that. You do. It's the classic fall setting, isn't yes. it? But we do get snow as well, but mostly in the parallel worlds. Yeah. Um, which was interesting. There's there's something that's like trying to spark between the parallel worlds and the snow and the coldness and how cold Lane feels in that world. And I can't quite make that connection. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it's something about like the, you know, the the falseness of it. It's very much. It's not her world. She doesn't belong there. I don't know. I need to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see a connection. And if anyone can uh, put those words in my mouth, I'd be grateful. Hmm. I mean, and I see it- what you mean. I don't know what you're trying to say, but I do see what you mean. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I mean, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. To me, it just reminds me of like. I want to say the hinterlands, and that's not going to mean anything, is it? I don't um, know what that means. Let let just bear with. Okay, so this <laughs> this is this. I just wanted to double check that I had I had the word right. <laughs> okay, but bear with me. <laughs> In Nightmare Before Christmas, <laughs> yeah, the wooded area that Jack walks into and then finds okay. the doors is called the hinterlands. And it's like this quiet, it's still snowy kind of doors to different worlds. Mm. And that's kind of the kind of quiet, eerie atmosphere that it reminded me of. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I didn't even know they had a name. Hmm. It came out of my brain and my mouth without I even fact-checked it. So I thought I'd go and fact-check it. I was like, that sounds right. That's That's interesting. Yeah, I see that. Definitely see that. Yeah. So we did talk a little bit about um, the protagonist as portrayed as an outsider, but linked to that, we also have underdeveloped social skills. And I don't think that really applies to Lane. No, I think she's quite socially adept. Yeah. Colton, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) He's very rude and abrasive and standoffish and a little bit scary in that. I'm he, a gorgeous boy. He also has way. The, the power of a god. Like, he does, that's true. We still don't fully... I don't think we f- get to fully kind of realise his power and potential 
in the book it's just kind of we almost see like a slither of it don't we yeah but he doesn't let that out does he because he's, no. he's scared of the repercussions of revealing those secrets and also scaring lane i think yeah and we never fully find out like what he is like we know he's not no. fully human yeah but is he a, it's alluded to that he's like some kind of demon prince or demon king isn't yeah, it yeah he's called a prince a lot isn't he and there's that comment from the beast that's in lane about how will he ever fully realize that actually he can rule these lands yeah so and then that bit at the end where he gets the little fangs and his little horns yeah. his little crown yeah. And even though, you know, Lane and this beast inside her have sealed the gates or the way through into other worlds, Colton is still able to get there and bring Lane home. Yeah. So there's there's so much unchecked power there, apart from the fact that he can literally just rip holes in time and <laughs> space and transport people through purgatory, as you can. As you do. Yeah. You know. Just casual Tuesday. <laughs> but yeah, he's yeah, his social skills need some work. But that might be nature over nurture, so I think we can probably forgive him a little bit. <laughs> well, that's all of our tenets. Yeah. Do you have any criticisms of the Whispering Dark? I think that there is a strange like vein through the book where Lane is referred to as this like goodness. I know that, I don't know how how to explain it fully, but she's like almost like a lamb. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's very lamb and virginal and And the lion fell in love with the lamb. Exactly. It's exactly that. <laughs> um and I'm almost a little bit mad. Not <laughs> mad's a wrong word, but I just kind of wished that somehow she got to keep her power. Right. Because I'm not, I'm not, I mean, we don't know if she did or didn't because we don't really see much of her after she's been brought back from purgatory, but. Yeah, I kind of assumed she did because even at the end, there's lots of talk about her having a foot in each world. Yeah. And like the, the ceiling of the gates for other people to get through. Yeah. wouldn't take that away from her i wouldn't have thought i hope so because i i think the bit where you see her properly kind of i know she was possessed by a demon but she was also it, she'd kind of moved through the teething problems of yeah and she was coming into herself as well she was learning to control it wasn't she yes yeah yeah, that's interesting. Mm. And like the way Colton kind of sees her as this like queen of everything. And I just yeah. hope that she doesn't lose that. I don't think she will. I think it probably takes some work to keep Colton in check. <laughs> <laughs> She'll need that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think my only criticism was what I mentioned about her being referred to. Um as like glass a lot but i do understand everything behind it it was just i think the use of the word a lot (laughs) um that i did notice yeah that's that's my only criticism really i think yeah Yeah. something i would like to talk about not criticism at all just something that i would like to talk about is um like her her deafness and being deaf yeah in the world we haven't really encountered a Dark Academia title with a deaf or even a disabled main character before. And I thought it was really interesting, like you said, how it's not it's not the main part of the story, but it's integral to her experience of life and of the story. And it's the key to her powers too. Yeah. Um, it doesn't become an impossible barrier. No, I mean, it, it's, that's, it's her, it's that, um, I think they say something about, like, it's the, it's the limbo between sound and silence. Yeah. And then she's the limbo between the living and the dead. It's that kind of um, pairing. Yeah. That gives her her power. And her, also her experience of death. De- no. 
also her experience of death and coming back from life to life, having lost her hearing and it's all all of those things are connected. I did think it was interesting how earlier in the novel when she's adjusting to kind of being at college and she she's struggling to adjust a little bit but she she won't tell anybody that she is deaf and therefore may need some extra assistance mm. and the staff and the teachers are very unwilling to help her and lots of them haven't even read the files and you know she they even say at some point she emailed round each of her professors to say that this is something that she has to deal with and just letting you know and none of them read it and none of them took it on and I thought that was really interesting like and I think that's linked to the the portrayal of her being like glass yeah because she doesn't want to be treated differently but also in order to you know perform to the you know maximum of her ability she does need some of those concessions but she just refuses to accept that yeah and I think as well there's a she's probably it probably was a meeting with Whitehall because he's a bellend but Mm -hmm. um and she says basically along the lines of like oh i you know i'm struggling because i can't remember what she says but she admits that she's struggling and i think he goes well why didn't you have an interpreter uh we offered you an interpreter why don't you take up on it like she doesn't need that she doesn't need i don't i think for her as well she doesn't want that kind of marked difference but she also says as well, like, she's not fluent in no. sign. She only uses the basics to communicate with her, with her family at home. I think that also highlights kind of like how sometimes people with a disability can be uh, not necessarily discriminated against, but like treated because it's like, well, you, here's the solution to your problem. And you didn't take it, so I can't help you. I think that is discrimination. I suppose, yeah. Like, my older brother is deaf. I don't know if you actually knew that. Mm. But, um, and I see some of his experience. Obviously, he's a lot older. He also has learning difficulties. But the experience of him trying to communicate, trying to, um, like, exist in the world, like, people don't care. No. They won't try and make life easier for him. In fact, they'll often take advantage of it. Yeah. And I think, like, I think that's why I kind of connected to that a little bit because I know how much he struggled and he wasn't, you know, given the help he needed at school. It was obviously he's a little bit older as well, so it it wasn't it was a little bit different. Um, But yeah, I don't know where my point was going. (laughs) I don't know where that was going there. I think it's just that thing of like, well, you've got a solution there. It's not my problem when it is your problem. Like, yeah rather than individuals wanting to take the time upon themselves just to support lane they go well you know this is these are the rules you could have had an interpreter you didn't so you're gonna fail (laughs) one of the teachers is like oh it's college now it's your problem yeah like everyone is entitled to education (laughs) everyone is entitled to have these experiences it shouldn't matter that you maybe need an extra concession or an extra help in order to achieve the same level of everything that everyone else automatically receives it sounded like lane was still struggling with kind of coming to terms with that almost yeah i think that's also why her coming into her powers was so powerful (laughs) couldn't think of another word yeah (laughs) um (laughs) Because she's she's owning it now. She's accepting it. So, yeah. Shall we talk a little bit about Colton? Oh, yes, please. Colton Price. Oh, Colton Price. <laughs> I was saying to Sarah when we were finishing up reading this that it is, you know, he feels like the classic YA love interest of the books that made my teenage heart sing. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's not always um, without... 
problems. <laughs> like, he is problematic in several ways, but... Don't care. Don't care. But also, it's high, It's not brushed, brushed off, is it? It's no. not... It's like, Lane is fully aware <laughs> what a nightmare Colton is, but also what a dream he can be. Yeah. She fights him as well. She doesn't take his shit. No, that's true. <laughs> she even tells him sometimes, she's like, can you stop being yourself for a second? Yeah. <laughs> Which is quite funny. But, yeah. I feel like I feel like an honourable mention needs to be made for that elevator scene. <gasps> oh my gosh. I'm actually, we had a whole conversation about I go, this. And I'm not even actually going to spoil it. This is going to be spoiler free. So if you haven't read it, mm-hmm. you just will know that there's an elevator scene that will change your life. It was a beautiful moment. It was <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> big fan, big fan. <laughs> You're welcome. Enjoy. <laughs> I tell you what I do have, what I was going to mm-hmm. mention, is I have kind of a list of references because... Okay. Um, references made in the in the book because I think, again, it's been a little while since we've had a book that has so freely referenced different classical touch points so we have Virgil um there's Dante's Inferno this whole heaven and hell thing obviously features quite a lot because because of the very nature of what they're trying to achieve um the art there's a lot more art I think in this book than we've seen before yeah um there's also allusions to a lot of different myths specifically hades and persephone yes that's true with the asphodels as well isn't it yeah um robert browning homer's odyssey um and i even put at one point and i can't i don't know where um, oh, there's even a reference to Frankenstein in this screenshot. Oh. Anyway, um, I'm not sure where I saw this, but I, I've put allusions to his dark materials, and I think it is just the ripping of the. the oh, okay. The, yeah. I don't know what you want to call it, but planes of existence. The, yeah, I don't know. exactly. Because yeah. again, you've got, I mean, in his dark materials uh, by Philip Pullman, you've got Lyra, and then you've got Boy. I don't remember the name of, but it's oh, a similar God. dynamic, I think. Oh, what's what's his name? Oh, Bob. <laughs> it's definitely not Will. 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 There we go. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd not made that connection to his dark materials. Mm. We love some intertextuality. Yes. Big fan. It's one of my faves. <laughs> Especially with range like that as well. Yeah. Love the range. So, so it's time for the big question. <laughs> Sarah, is it Dark Academia? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> what what a start to a new season. We, we have a Dark Academia novel. Yes. And we loved it too. <laughs> so it's only downhill from here. No, no, I'm com- <laughs> no, I, I'm quite not. confident for this season. I am too. I think because we had a we had a rough time of it in season three. Yeah. So I think we were perhaps more choosy in the way we selected our titles. I uh, we were a little bit kind of like yeah we'll read whatever in season three and maybe we'll come back to that kind of carefree attitude for season five but although saying that we do already have two titles on our season five list that are pretty much guaranteed i'm not gonna tell anyone they're secrets nothing's guaranteed they might not be (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) sure (laughs) do you have anything else that you would like to say about the whispering dark other than i need a sequel stat no i'm done (laughs) I would like to second that sentiment, please, and thank you. So I suppose we should tell you what's uh, coming up next time then. Yeah. Yeah. 
So our next episode is going to be about A Lesson in Vengeance by Victoria Lee. Felicity Morrow is back at the Delaware School to finish her senior year after the tragic death of her girlfriend. She even has her old room in Godwin House, the exclusive dormitory rumoured to be haunted by the spirits of the five Dalloway students. Girls some say were witches. Witchcraft is woven into Dalloway's past. The school doesn't talk about it, but the students do. In secret rooms and shadowy corners, girls convene. And before her girlfriend died, Felicity was drawn to the dark. She's determined to leave that behind now, but it's hard when Dalloway's occult history is everywhere. And when the new girl won't let her forget. It's Ellis Haley's first year at Dalloway. A prodigy novelist at 17, Ellis is eccentric and brilliant and Felicity can't shake the pull she feels to her. So when Ellis asks Felicity for help researching the Dalloway Five for her second book, Felicity can't say no. And when history begins to repeat itself, Felicity will have to face the darkness in Dalloway and in herself. Ooh. I'm really excited. Me too. I have a... There's a strange relationship with witchy books. They either hit or they really miss. Yeah. There's no rule. I would... (laughs) No in between. (laughs) I'm excited about this. I think this is going to be good fun. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Let's go get reading. (laughs) So once again, thank you for joining us on our season premiere of season four. (laughs) Hopefully you'll come along for the ride for the rest of the season. If you can follow us on Spotify or wherever you stream your podcasts, that would be fantastic. And also don't forget to give us a little review on there too. It all helps. And then also you can subscribe to our mailer at thedarkacademicalsbookclub.substack.com where we have exclusive episodes. I mean, as we're recording this, not last week was it did our special new year one came out um and if you subscribe now you'll still be able to go back and listen to that too so i guess until next time bye bye